everybody. I am Jake with Mission 4110, and this is your morning moment for Wednesday morning. I think one of the disturbing things that I've seen in modern Christianity is the fact that we as Christians have a hard time accepting the fact that other people have become Christians. Now, you know, it's it's funny because if you look at like, I don't know, Kanye West, remember when he uh, he came out and he said that he had... Uh, been born again, he'd been baptized, he was ready to live the Christ-filled life, and all the Christians went, yeah, right, I'll believe it when I see it. Same thing with um, Justin Bieber, uh, Shia LaBeouf, I'm trying to think, there's others, but they're escaping me right now. And the problem with that is we then, we put them up on this huge pedestal, because we said, well, you're a big name, you're you're, you're a star, you're going to have to use your powers for good, and the second they failed, We were right there to criticize them. And let's even scale it back a little bit more. If you, as somebody that is a follower of Christ, when you first became a follower of Christ, how did people react towards you? How did Christians react towards you? Did they monitor you? Did they scrutinize you? Did they look at you and and say, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it, or there's no way Maybe you've done it to people in your own life. Believe it or not, Jesus actually kind of had this problem. It's a little bit different for him. Our scripture reading today comes to us from Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eye of everyone in the synagogue, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? they asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly, I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years. And there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Now, Jesus is basically calling out the people of Nazareth because, like everybody else, they just want to see him perform miracles. 
But the problem is that they don't know him as Jesus the Messiah. They know him as Jesus, the son of Joseph, the carpenter. Jesus was probably a carpenter up until the point where he began his ministry. And so they're just thinking, well, this guy's a carpenter that can do good things. He can do miracles and things like that. We want to see him do miracles in order to believe him. But the problem is that they shouldn't have. They should have seen who he was and who he was becoming in order to believe in him. Fun little fact, um, his his brothers and, and his mother would come to get him while he was preaching one time because they thought he was crazy, or they were trying to get everybody to believe that he was crazy. And his brother James actually didn't become a believer until after Jesus died and then rose again. It's kind of funny that it took Jesus' death and resurrection for his brother to believe that he was, the, in fact, the Messiah. One of the problems in Christianity today is that we like to eat our young. We we like to hold people that are brand new Christians up to this giant measuring stick that there's no way that they're ever going to be able to to live up to. And it's it's a sad, sad thing, honestly, because what it does is it doesn't help anybody. It just discourages people and they go, you know what? I can fail without Jesus, so why do I still need to continue to be a Christian? But the problem is that we need to build people up. We need to understand that in our walks with Christ, we are going to fall. We are going to fail. We're going to fumble. And it's just a natural part of living a faith-filled life. And instead of going, yep, I told you, they're not really a Christian. You need to go, you know what? I've been there. I've done that. Let me tell you how I got through this. It's amazing how our reputations always precede us and people will always hold us up to our previous reputations rather than giving us the benefit of the doubt knowing that we are in the process of becoming new creations in Christ. I can't tell you how many times I've had to answer for the things that I previously done when I was younger. Now that I'm 36 years old, I'm still having to defend myself for things that happened when I was a brand new believer in my late 20s and early 30s, or even before that, when I was in my late teens and early 20s, when I was quote unquote Christian and not living that life. But the thing is that we all have a starting point and that starting point is never perfect. And our ending point, well, our ending point will end in perfection, but while we're here on earth, we're never going to be perfect. So we have to stop acting like people that are brand new converts to Christianity have to be perfect. In fact, that's probably one of the greatest reasons why people leave the faith, because they just can't live up to the measuring stick that we like to hold people up to. And honestly, is it really that big of a deal if somebody falls? Because when they fall, we can look at it as not a, a, a moment to shame anybody or to tell anybody that they're not worthy but we can look at it as a, as a teaching moment to say, okay, you stumbled. Let's look at the scriptures. Let's see what the Bible has to say about this particular stumble that you found yourself in and know that it doesn't matter because you're going to be able to move on from this and then you're going to come out even better. Let's pray. Father God, we do stumble, we do fall. And we have a tendency to hold people to that standard of perfection that only you and your son Jesus have. Father, may we have eyes to understand that a faith-filled life is not a perfect life, but rather it's imperfection that we can use to slowly become perfect. 
And only will we be perfect when we enter into our heavenly reward with you. And Father, this is a team effort, so may we be a team together. In your name we pray, amen. Everybody have a wonderful day. We will see you right here Friday morning. Take care. God bless. Thanks everyone for listening to the Mission 4110 podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's morning moment. You can connect with us further on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Mission 4110. Also, subscribe to our podcast so that you can listen to our newest messages when they release. For Mission 4110, I'm Jacob Mahaffey. Take care and God bless.